What happens is that if you look at the anti-China approach that clearly the Trump administration had right from the very beginning, and the accusatory nature, the Chinese are going to flinch back and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk mm -hmm. to you about it, which is not correct. But they they're not talking be. to the Biden administration about it either. Exactly. I think that horse is out of the barn, and they're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. We need to have an open dialogue with their scientists and our scientists, keep the politics out of it, and let the scientists, because these are scientists that we've known for decades, mm -hmm. and we've collaborated with them. What's up, Lion Jerkoff Anthony Fauci on Face the Nation yesterday? He's not politically motivated and China, blah, blah, blah. All I know is this. Right now, the folks in Beijing, in Shanghai, and all across China are locked down, a COVID lockdown, and the people have taken to the streets. In fact, according to CNN this morning, 16 different, 16 different locations across China Folks have taken it to the streets. That doesn't happen often in a communist country. With more on this, there is nobody better. I mean nobody better. He's on this show often because he's the only guy I want to talk to about these things. You can follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon G. Chang. Here's my friend Gordon Chang. Good morning, Gordon. How are you? I'm fine, Sid, and thank you so much. You're very welcome. So the folks have taken it to the streets. I... I know that G just won his third term, unprecedented third term, but not off to a very good start here. Even Beijing and Shanghai, they've taken it to the streets. They beat up a BBC journalist a couple of days ago. What is the latest on the rioting going on in China? Yeah, the protests, as you mentioned, are across China. They are large, and they are coordinated in the sense that everyone has the same grievance, but they're leaderless. This just happened because people decided that they had had enough of the COVID lockdowns. On Thursday, there was a fire in Urumqi in uh, Xinjiang, in the northwestern part of the country, and a reported 10 people were killed. Um, obviously, the death toll was a lot larger. People then um, just right after that in Urumqi, but then in other cities as well, um, took to the streets. Um, and the Communist Party has doubled down. People's Daily, which is the most authoritative publication in China, issued a landmark editorial saying that the country was going to stick with zero COVID, which was the only solution for China. So this is now a confrontation between the Chinese people and the Communist Party. I actually saw this tweet this morning from a lady I don't recognize, Taylor Lorenz. And I guess she uh, works for The Washington Post. And she tweeted this, Gordon, there is no lasting natural immunity to COVID. You can get COVID over and over and over again because there are so many endlessly evolving strains and antibodies. Wayne, also choosing not to kill off millions of vulnerable people, as the U.S. is doing, is not a critical flaw. With record coronavirus cases, China scrambles to plug an immunity gap. So she's saying, look, this thing lives on forever 
They are being careful, unlike the United States, to save their people. She's making an excuse for the Chinese. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, that tweet is horrible um, because we know that uh, in China, many people have died because of the zero COVID policy. People can't get to hospitals. People have been uh, welded into their apartments where they burned to death, which is what happened on Thursday. Um, The zero COVID policies of China um, have obviously not been good. And, And for her to justify it is beyond comprehension. So what happens next? Again, you've got these protests all over China, big cities, Beijing, Shanghai. We know that in the past, whether it's a Putin in Russia, communist governments uh, sometimes will shoot some of their own people right there in the street. How violent, how bad can this thing get, these protests across China? These protests could actually become a nationwide movement that removes the Communist Party. Now, we don't know whether that will happen, but we do know that uh, the Chinese people have had enough, not just of zero COVID, but of Xi Jinping and the party. And we know that because in Beijing and Shanghai, that's what the protesters have been saying. Um, You know, these protests, they could fizzle out, but they're going to come back. And the reason is that people have uh, now made the connection that the Communist Party is um, hurting them, not only personally, but as destroying China itself. And that's why this is even more um, a threat to the Communist Party than 1989, the Tiananmen Square movement. This is like 1949, Sid. In 1949, the Communist Party was able to take over China against a superior nationalist of Chiang Kai-shek because, as one great Chinese historian put it, the nationalists had lost people's hearts. Well, the Communist Party has lost people's hearts now. And we don't know whether it'll lose power this week or maybe a couple of years from now, but it will happen because the people have decided that they want freedom and they are not going to be denied. Joe Biden, not exactly very popular in the United States today with Chevron now getting a license to pump oil in Venezuela, that Maduro murderous regime. That's almost seems impossible to believe. But, folks, that is actually happening. And he's trying to make an excuse. It's about restoring democracy in Venezuela when we know, of course, it's all about energy costs. It has nothing to do with democracy. Now, what does he do here? Uh, if you're Joe Biden, if you were Donald Trump, what would they be doing with China basically on fire? Well, you know. Um, So many times American presidents have rescued the Communist Party. Richard Nixon did it in 1972. George H.W. Bush did it in 1989. And Bill Clinton in 1999. Now, I don't think that right now an American president can do anything to save Xi Jinping. But um, I don't want Biden to try um, because right now it's important for us to support freedom. The Communist Party um, is a threat not just to the Chinese people, but not just to its neighbors in the region, but also to the U.S., because the Communist Party thinks that the U.S. is an existential threat because it's worried about the inspirational impact that we have on the Chinese people because of our values and our form of governance. People in China want to govern themselves. They don't want the party. And that's why no matter what we do, you know, we can't stop the Communist Party from assaulting us. So just to wrap China up in a nice little bow here, Gordon Chang, the great Gordon Chang, you don't expect these protests to stop anytime soon. They may even gain in number. And eventually, according to you, this may oust the Communist Party in China. Yes. I mean, 
Look, some of the anger over the fire on Thursday, that may fade. But the real problems right now for the party is that, um, as I said, uh, the party has lost their hearts. So these protests can fade for a moment, but they will come back. And so we will see in the pretty near future, I think, that the people of China will win and Xi Jinping and the Communist Party will lose. Let's move to Iran here for a second. I'm not sure if you're keeping up with the soccer, the World Cup soccer, but we actually play, America plays Iran tomorrow. It's a big game for both clubs because a win has either one of the clubs moving on in that group, Group B, I guess. But uh, more importantly, I don't know if you saw this, Gordon, a couple days ago when Iran started the tournament against England, they did lose the game, but the players on the team refused to stand for the national anthem because much like in China, there are protesters in the streets in Iran, and the players on the soccer team were showing their solidarity not to the government, but to the folks in the street. I thought that was very refreshing. What did you think? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it shows that the people of Iran – you know, they right now can't remove their regime, but they are willing to put themselves on the streets at great risk. And this has been periodically, um, you know, in, in 2009, I think, um, you know, it was to our shame that President Obama didn't support the protesters. Um, you know, I don't know why um, Obama and now Biden think that uh, we have any common interest with the Ayatollahs. Right now, what we must do is support the protesters because they want what we have, which is the right to govern ourselves. Now, uh, this is a story that just broke. The Ayatollah Khomeini, his niece, is an activist in Iran. She has taken to the streets to help the protesters. We know the story about that young lady. I think she's still missing, 24 years old and still missing there. And she was arrested. Ayatollah Khomeini's niece was arrested for protesting, but she's had enough as well. So much like China, do you see these protesters in Iran gaining in numbers, getting more and more bold and just looking to oust that government? Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, what we've seen in the most recent round of protests is led by women. It started with um, the disappearance of a woman um, and and death of a woman, and and now it's going to continue. I think you're right. So um, the deal, the Iran deal, that awful deal that Obama and Kerry put together before Donald Trump came in and whacked it. Now there's been all kinds of rumors that Joe Biden and John Kerry want to do it again. I know you kind of uh, glossed over it a couple of minutes ago, but do you think that's back on the table or do you think now America will stay out of it because of what's going on in the streets in Tehran? Yeah, I think that that deal, at least for the moment, is dead. Um, And part of it is because Russia was very much behind it and Russia would benefit from it. But the fact that we're talking to Iran about this, to me, is hideous because we should not be helping the Iranian regime. And that's what we would be doing, you know, sending them cash, legitimizing them, especially at this critical moment where um, women and uh, regular Iranians want to, you know, want the Ayatollahs gone. So this really is important for us. Um, you know, when you go back to the the, the 2015 deal, um, that was wrong. Um, and it was wrong because um, we were giving them money, which they were using for terrorism. And we also know that they were violating the deal. And, and President Trump had the courage to say, no, I can't certify compliance. You know, we saw um, – you know, we saw the Obama administration certify compliance when they knew that Iran was actually secretly enriching uranium. This just was wrong. Let's move now from China 
to Iran, to North Korea. There's a story in today's New York Post. Lil Kim back again. New sign, she may be Pop's successor. So I guess Rocket Man there in North Korea at some point is going to have to step down or maybe be killed. Who knows? And it looks like his daughter is being primed to replace him. What's the latest in North Korea? Yeah, this is really one of the most amusing stories. Um, His 10-year-old daughter has now been uh, revealed to the public at two events uh, this month, both of them relating to the Wasong-17, which is an intercontinental ballistic missile. You know, most people think, and I think it's probably true, um, that what he's doing is trying to tell the North Korean people that uh, little Ju A was um, his successor. But, you know, he has three children. They're all young. I think it's a little bit early for Kim Jong-un to um, to tell anybody that one of them is going to succeed him. I think that this has more to do with Kim's sister, um, Kim Yo-jong, um, who is clearly very capable and seemingly ambitious. And I think Kim Jong-un is telling his sister, back off, forget about taking over if I have problems. Kim Jong-un has medical problems, a series of them. And so, um, you know, the talk of succession is not premature in a sense, but a 10-year-old is just too young to designate to be the next leader. (laughs) I would say so. Gordon Chang. So we're going to move again now. Started in China. Then, of course, we went to Iran. Now we just, uh, we're going to leave uh, North Korea and we're going to go to Russia. Uh, this major fire breaks out at an oil refinery in Russia, Angorsk, Russia. Is this foul play? Was just uh, this just a, um, I don't know, just a fire broke out? What are you hearing about this fire at the oil refinery in Russia? Yeah, that I don't know. Um, but there have been suspicious events across Russia, and many people expect that there's Ukraine um, actually trying to target Russian facilities that are important for the Russian war effort. Um, So we shouldn't be surprised. And this is something, you know, a lot of people say, well, the war is spreading to Russia. Well, you know, the Russians have spread the war to Ukraine. Um, So right now, I I think that it's important um, not to try to put restraints on Ukraine um, because they should uh, be given all the means to defend themselves. The Biden administration is thinking of giving long-range rockets to Ukraine. Uh, 100 miles or so, that could obviously reach into Russian territory. I don't think that's a problem. I think Ukraine needs to take the war to Russia. Yes, it's dangerous, but once deterrence broke down, once the Russians invaded Ukraine, every option becomes dangerous for us. All right, 60 seconds to go, Gordon. I want to revisit something I mentioned earlier, which Don Katsimatidis will talk about uh, later on today, and that is the U.S. getting the green light, uh, Chevron, to pump oil in Venezuela. The White House is making an argument. This is about restoring democracy. Anybody with half a brain knows, no, it's not. It's about energy costs and the trouble we're in because of uh, deciding no longer to be energy efficient here in the United States, energy independent. Quickly, your thoughts on us pumping oil in Venezuela. There is no way to justify that. If you want to pump oil, pump it in the United States. We're not supporting democracy in Venezuela. We're just giving money to a dictator. Um, That's simple as it's clear as day that what the Biden administration is doing is 1,000 percent wrong.
Yes, Maduro is a uh, murderous dictator as well. I mean, a really nasty guy in Venezuela, that whole family. So this is a very embarrassing moment once again for Joe Biden and the American people. Uh, for you, Gordon Chang, it's always an A-plus, a Grand Slam home run. You were tremendous on this post-Thanksgiving Monday morning. Thank you for stopping by. Let's do it again very soon, and happy holidays. Happy holidays, Sid. Thank you so much. You got it. There he is, folks. Gordon Chang. Check him out. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. We did it all there, folks. You got Russia, North Korea, Iran, China, Venezuela, the United States. Hope you feel a little smarter this morning. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.